Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and today I'm reading from a sermon once preached by Charles Spurgeon. The title is The Power of Christ Illustrated by the Resurrection. His text is Philippians 3, 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Philippians three twenty and 21. In the first section, we talked about the marvel to be wrought by our Lord at his coming. And now the final section, the power which is now at this time proceeding from him and treasured in him. I'm sorry, that's the second section today, along with the third, which will be to contemplate the work which we desire to see accomplished. So, part two. We will now pass on, and here is the point that we aim at. Consider in the second place that this power, which is to raise the dead, is resident in Christ at this moment. And so saith the text, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. It is not some new power which Christ will take to himself in the latter days and then for the first time display, but the power which will arouse the dead is the same power which is in him at this moment, which is going forth from him at this instant in the midst of his church and among the sons of men. I call your attention to this and invite you to follow the track of the text. First notice that all the power by which the last transformation will be wrought is ascribed to our Lord Jesus Christ now as the Savior. We look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. When Christ raises the dead, it will be as a Savior. And it is precisely in that capacity that we need the exercise of his power at this moment. Fix this, my brethren, in your hearts. We are seeking the salvation of men, and we are not seeking a hopeless thing. For Jesus Christ is able, as a Savior, to subdue all things to himself. And so the text expressly tells us. It doth not merely say that as a raiser of the dead, he is able to subdue all things, but as the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. His titles are expressly given. He is set forth to us as the Lord, the Savior, the Anointed, and in that capacity he is said to be able to subdue all things to himself. Happy tidings for us. My brethren, how large may our prayers be for the conversion of the sons of men, how great our expectations, how confident our efforts. Nothing is too hard for our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing in the way of saving work is beyond his power. If, as a Savior, he wakes the dead in the years to come, he can quicken the spiritually dead even now. The power of the resurrection is being put forth today. It is pulsing through the quickened portion of this audience. It is heaving with life each bosom that beats with love to God. It is preserving the life courses in the souls of all the spiritual so that they go not back to their former death in sin. The power which will work the resurrection will be wonderful, but it will be no new thing. 
It is everywhere to be beheld in operation in the church of God at this very moment by those who have eyes to see it. And herein I join with the Apostle in his prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Note next that the terms of our text imply that opposition may be expected to this power, but that all resistance will be overcome. That word subdue supposes a force to be conquered and brought into subjection. He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Herein is a great wonder. There will be no opposition to the resurrection. The trumpet sound shall bring the dead from their graves, and no particle shall disobey the summons. But to spiritual resurrection there is resistance, resistance which only omnipotence can vanquish. In the conversion of sinners, natural depravity is an opposing force. For men are set upon their sins and love not the things of God, neither will they hearken to the voice of mercy. My brethren, to remove all our fears concerning our Lord's ability to save, the word is here used, He is able, not only to raise all things from the dead, but to subdue all things to Himself. Here again I would bid you take the encouragement the text presents you. If there be opposition to the gospel, he is able to subdue it. If in one man there is a prejudice, if in another man the heart is darkened with error, if one man hates the very name of Jesus, if another is so wedded to his sins that he cannot part from them, if opposition has assumed in some a very determined character, does not the text meet every case? He is able to subdue all things, to conquer them, to break down the barriers that interpose to prevent the display of his power, and to make those very barriers the means of setting forth that power the more gloriously. He is able even to subdue all things. Note next that the language of our text includes all supposable cases. He is able to subdue all things unto himself, not here and there one, but all things. Brethren, there is no man in this world so fallen and debased, depraved, and willfully wicked that Jesus cannot save him, not even among those who live beyond the reach of ordinary ministry. He can bring the heathen to the gospel or the gospel to them. The wheels of providence can be so arranged that salvation shall be brought to the outcasts. Even war, famine, and plague 
may become messengers for Christ, for he too rides upon the wings of the wind. There lived some few years ago in Perugia, in Italy, a man of the loosest morals and the worst conceivable disposition. He had given up all religion. He loathed God and had arrived at such a desperate state of mind that he had conceived an affection for the devil and endeavored to worship the evil one. Imagining Satan to be the image and embodiment of all rebellion, free-thinking, and lawlessness, he deified him in his own mind and desired nothing better than to be a devil himself. Well, on one occasion, when a Protestant missionary had been in Perugia preaching, a priest happened to say in this man's hearing that there were Protestants in Perugia. The city was being defiled by heretics. And who do you think Protestants are, said he? Well, they are men who have renounced Christ and worship the devil. A gross and outrageous lie was this, but it answered far other ends than its author meant. The man hearing this thought, Oh, then, I will go and meet with them, for I am much of their mind. And away he went to the Protestant meeting in the hope of finding an assembly who propagated lawlessness and worshipped the devil. He there heard the gospel and was saved. Behold in this, and in ten thousand cases equally remarkable, the ability of our king to subdue all things unto himself. How can any man whom God ordains to save Escape from that eternal love which is as omnipresent as the deity itself. He is able to subdue all things to himself. If his sword cannot reach the far ones, his arrows can. And even at this hour they are sharp in his enemies' hearts. No boastful Goliath can stand before our David. Though the weapons which he uses today be but a stone from the brook, yet shall the Philistine be subdued. If there should be in this place a deist, an atheist, a Romanist, or even a lover of the devil, if he be but a man, mercy yet can come to him. Jesus Christ is able to subdue him unto himself. None have gone too far, and none are too hardened. While the Christ lives in heaven, we need never despair of any that are still in this mortal life. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. You will observe in the text that nothing is said concerning the unfitness of the means. My fears often are are lest souls should not be saved by our instrumentality because of faultiness in us. We fear lest we should not be prayerful enough or energetic or earnest enough or or that it should be said he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. But the text seems to obliterate man altogether. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. That is to say, Jesus does it. Jesus can do it and will do it all. By the feeblest means he can work mightily, can take hold of us unfit as we are for service and make us fit, can grasp us in our folly and teach us wisdom, take us in our weakness and make us strong. My brethren, if we had to find resources for ourselves and to rely upon ourselves, our enterprise might well be renounced. 
but since he is able, we will cast the burden of this work on him and go to him in believing prayer, asking him to work mightily through us to the praise of his glory, for he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Note that the ability is said in the text to be present with the Savior now. I have already pointed that out to you, but I refer to it again. The resurrection is a matter of the future, but the working which shall accomplish the resurrection is a matter of the present. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Jesus is as strong now as he ever will be, for he changes not. At this moment, he is able to convert souls as at the period of the brightest revival or at Pentecost itself. There are no ebbs and flows with Christ's power. Omnipotence is in the hand that once was pierced, permanently abiding there. Oh, if we could but rouse it, if we could but bring the captain of the host to the field again, to fight for his church, to work by his servants, what marvels should we see? For he is able. But we are not straightened in him. We are straightened in ourselves, if straightened at all. Let us cry unto our Lord, for he has but to will it, and thousands of sinners will be saved. Let us lift up our hearts to him who has but to speak the word, and whole nations shall be born unto him. The resurrection will not be a work occupying centuries. It will be accomplished at once. And so it may be in this house of prayer, and throughout London, and throughout the world. Christ will do a great and speedy work to the amazement of all beholders. He will send forth the rod of his strength out of Zion and rule in the midst of his enemies. He will unmask his batteries. He will spring his mines. He will advance his outworks. He will subdue the city of his adversaries and ride victoriously through the Bozra of his foes. Who shall stay his hand? Who shall say unto him, What doest thou? I wish we had time to work out the parallel which our text suggests between the resurrection and the subduing of all things. The resurrection will be worked by the divine power, and the subduing of sinners is a precisely similar instance of salvation. All men are dead in sin, but he can raise them. Many of them are corrupt with vice, but he can transform them. Some of them are, as it were, lost to all hope, like a dead body, scattered to the winds. Desperate cases for whom even pity seems to waste her size, but he who raises the dead of all sorts with a word can raise sinners of all sorts by the selfsame power. And as the dead, when raised, are made like to Christ, so the wicked, when converted, are made like to Jesus too. Brilliant examples of virtue shall be found in those who were terrible instances of vice. The most depraved and dissolute shall become the most devout and earnest. From the vile body to the glory body, what a leap! And from the sinner damnable in lust to the saint, bright with the radiance of sanctity, what a space! The leap seems very far, but omnipotence can bridge the chasm. The Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is able to do it. He is able to do it in ten thousand thousand cases, able to do it 
at this very moment. Number three, I said I would ask you to consider in the third place the work which we desire to see accomplished. I will not detain you, however, with that consideration further than this. Brethren, we long to see the Savior subduing souls unto himself. Not to our way of thinking, not to our church, not to the honor of our powers of persuasion, but unto himself. He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. O sinner, how I wish thou wert subdued to Jesus, to kiss those dear feet that were nailed for thee, to love in life him who loved thee to the death. Ah, soul, it were a blessed subjection for thee. Never subject of earthly monarch so happy in his king as thou wouldst be. God is our witness, we who preach the gospel. We do not want to subdue you to ourselves, as though we would rule you and be lords over your spirits. It is to Jesus, to Jesus only, that we would have you subdued. Oh, that you desired this subjection. It would be liberty and peace and joy to you. Notice that this subjection is eminently to be desired, since it consists in transformation. Catch the thought of the text. He transforms the vile body into his glorious body, and this is a part of the subjection of all things unto himself. But do you call that subjection? Is it not a subjection to be longed after with an insatiable desire to be so subdued to Christ that I, a poor, vile sinner, may become like him, holy, harmless, undefiled? This is the subjection that we wish for you, O unconverted ones. We trust we have felt it ourselves. We pray you may feel it too. He is able to give it to you. Ask it of him at once. Now breathe the prayer. Now believe that the Savior can work the transformation even in you, in you at this very moment. And, O my brethren in the faith, have faith for sinners now. While they are pleading Plead for them that this subjection which is an uplifting, this conquering which is a liberating, may be accomplished in them. For remember again that to be subjected to Christ is, according to our text, to be fitted for heaven. He will change our vile body and make it like the body of his glory. The body of the glory is a body fitted for glory, a body which participates in glory. The Lord Jesus can make you, sinner, though now fitted for hell, fitted for heaven, fitted for glory, and breathe into you now in anticipation of that glory in the joy and peace of mind which his pardon will bring to you. It must be a very sad thing to be a soldier under any circumstances, to have to cut and hack and kill and subdue, even in a righteous cause. It's cruel work. But to be a soldier of King Jesus is an honor and a joy. The service of Jesus is a grand service. Brethren, we have been earnestly seeking to capture some hearts that are here present, to capture them for Jesus. It has been a long and weary siege <clears throat> up until this hour. We have summoned them to surrender and open fire upon them with the gospel, but as yet in vain. I have strived to throw a few live shells into the very heart of their city. 
in the form of warning and threatening and exhortation, but oh, how I wish I could burst open the gates of a sinner's heart today for the Prince Emmanuel to come in. He who is at your gates <clears throat> is not an alien monarch. He is your rightful prince. He is your friend and lover. It will not be a strange face that you will see when Jesus comes to reign in you. When the king in his beauty wins your soul, you will think yourselves a thousand fools that you did not receive him before. Instead of fearing that he will ransack your soul, you will open all its doors and invite him to search every room. You will cry, Take all, thou blessed monarch. It shall be most mine when it is thine. Take all and reign and rule. I propound terms of capitulation to you, O sinner. They are but these. Yield up yourself to Christ. Give up your works and ways, both good and bad, and trust in him to save you, and be his servant henceforth and forever. While I thus invite you, I trust he will speak through me to you and win you to himself. I shall not plead in vain. The word shall not fall to the ground. I fall back upon the delightful consolation of our text. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. May he prove his power this morning. Amen and amen. That was Charles Spurgeon. That message is from 12 Sermons on the Resurrection. It's a collection of Spurgeon messages in the Charles H. Spurgeon Library, published by the Baker Book House, 1968. And this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.